This is your Murder Mystery World Tour here on 2SER 107.3. Flex and Herds here. While we were talking at Murder Mystery on screen at the moment, we wanted to talk and draw your attention to a awesome Australian project, The Art of Murder. Joining us now on Death of the Reader, Anurali and Anoki from Chock Chip Animation Studios, the folks behind this murder mystery musical known as The Art of Murder. Welcome to the show. It's so good to have you. Thank you so much. It's so it's so nice to be on. Thank you so much for inviting us and for your interest in the project. Yes. Thanks so much for having us on. We're so excited to talk to you guys more about The Art of Murder and tell you more about the project. Awesome. So there's been another like resurgence in mysteries on screen lately from satires like Will Arnett's Murderville through Kenneth Branagh's Poirot and Ryan Johnson's Knives Out. What drew you to the genre? And do you think there's a common thread to why we see so many of them at the moment? Well, we've always loved... Um murder mysteries, of course. And we've also always loved like musicals. And we thought about like, what would be a unique take on a murder mystery? And we always thought it would lend itself really well to the, um, or not, uh, we always thought it would be like really unique in the um, scenario of like one of those grandiose musicals, just because it's not something that you see too often. Um, you know, so like, because murder mysteries are so like dialogue based and character driven. And then with Broadway musical styles, numbers you have like that big grandiose um more like visual nature of it and we just thought it would be really cool to um bring those two uh genres together so I guess what drew us to murder mysteries in general is because like we just we we really love them and we also wanted to find a different like spin that we could put on it especially in the context of animation and just something, bring something new to the genre. Yeah, I've been kind of wondering about the bold choice because I've, I've watched the announcement trailer uh, and there's this kind of bold choice that to tie yourself directly to like modern internet animation culture. I saw homages to the surprisingly adult-themed animated show Adventure Time and there was a very brazen use of the term OC right at the end of the trailer, not a word you hear very often. Um, what what emboldens you to kind of embrace the the internet fandom, the internet culture uh, aspect of the story, and how does being you know independent creators give you the freedom to take this approach? Yeah, well, like Mirali said before, like uh, we knew we had always wanted to do a murder mystery musical, but we wanted to find a really unique and interesting take on the genre that hadn't really been seen in the industry that much, and especially not in animation. And so then that was like the first layer that we were going for, and then. That's when um, we were like, well, what do we really want to see in this genre? And what's a really unique take that we would just love to watch? And then that's when that pop culture element came in as the second layer. Because yeah, it's probably just everything that we love. Yeah, it's everything that we love and all the shows and fandoms that we love um, and that we wanted to celebrate. So the whole episode is really like a celebration and almost a love letter to pop culture in itself of everything that we love. And um, we wanted to celebrate the people behind pop culture from the creators to like the audiences that also help to bring the shows to life and celebrate them in the communities. Another really unique thing is kind of this like shared experiences that we all have and like the pop culture community and like artists and stuff as well. Like so um, for our team of artists working on this production, when we originally um, telling them about the concept, um, the first thing a lot of them said to me was that, oh, like I so relate to because the story is about this like 13 year old girl, Pip, who draws all these um, characters in her sketchbook um, from all these different like franchises and fandoms and then she kind of draws her first original character uh, and she's like she's 13 years old so all of the um, artists working on our production kind of said that like oh like we so relate to that because around the age of 13 is when we were also 
moving from like fan art to original characters yeah, and stuff. I think it's what like a lot of people in um, like the art community and also pop culture go through is like that shift from like kind of drawing inspiration from fan art and then like shifting into original characters, which we thought is like a really cool thing to explore. Yeah, so we really wanted the episode to just bring to life a lot of these like shared experiences that we all have in the pop culture community. And if people watch the episode and said things like, oh, I relate to that. Oh, oh my gosh, I did that when I was little. Oh, I own, like, I own something that looks like that figurine that over there. Like, we would absolutely love it if people watched the episode and just came out saying that I relate to that. I I recognize that yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's just the, I like enough. You said it's like a love letter to pop culture in general. I love the the love letter approach. I mean, it's obviously a project that is it's such a work of of passion, right? And it's a very ambitious project. I saw you've got a lot of other, you know, independent creators working. Uh, and you mentioned that it's, you know, the part of the thesis of the project is having all these shared voices all working together. Um, I, I wanted to, to ask, what was the process like coordinating all of those, those people for the two of you? Um, and what were some of the exciting changes that have actually happened to the project as a result of some of these other voices? Well, we feel like incredibly lucky to be working with so many amazing people from like Sonia and Jonah composers um, who brought all the songs to life to all the voice actors who, um, you know, lended their talents to the project to all the artists we're working with. We've just been incredibly lucky to work with um, so many amazing people who want to bring this vision to life as well. And we're incredibly grateful. Um, in terms of the project, uh, the process of um, bringing everyone together, it was mostly um, like, uh, talking to them and like pitching the project to them, explaining the concept to them. Um, and we've been incredibly lucky that everyone was really enthusiastic about the project and wanted to help bring it to life. And we're so grateful that everybody believed in the vision that we have and has, you know, helped us to bring it to life and yeah. lended their talents to it. Yeah. We're just so grateful and so lucky and so thankful to all of them. And I think the biggest thing, um, the biggest, like, it was like a really fun creative challenge is like bringing all these very different genres together and kind of, um, bringing them together in a cohesive way that also celebrates each of the genres and the tropes of that genre and the differences. And I think that the whole process has been really collaborative because everyone from like Sonia and Jonah and um, to the voice actors and all of the artists, everyone kind of, they're all fans of pop culture themselves and have worked in like the pop culture industries. And so the whole process has been amazingly collaborative and everyone kind of helping to like highlight these different genres and bring them to life and actually something yeah. I should mention is that when we were creating these characters we actually had these specific voice actors in mind from the very start when we were originally um creating the characters and I mean we when we were pitching the project to them we never we didn't know if they would you know want to sign on or not but we feel incredibly lucky that they all did because these like characters are actually based on how we imagine their voices to yeah. be like how we yeah, yeah how we and their work as well and their work and yeah we because we're also huge fans of all of our voice actors work as well so that's good to hear yeah. <laughs> your problem if you weren't a fan uh okay. yeah <laughs> I guess, yeah, the thing that you kind of raise there is the, like, identity of these characters. And that's something we've spoken about on this show a bunch is how, like, murder mystery toys with the game of identity. You mentioned Pip, who's the artist character whose drawings, like, form the body of the cast here. 
what do you think people can learn about themselves through the art of creating in what they love? Like, you know, you mentioned many of your team created drawings and then went on to make their own going from like fan to original creation. What can you learn about yourself in that process? Do you think? I think that like, as an artist, um, every, like, I think so many artists go through the same, um, childhood of like, you start by copying the things that you love. So I think everyone will have the same experience of like, um, taking a picture exactly as you see it and like trying to draw it accurately. So like, I remember for me personally, I would draw like fan out of like Cardcaptor Sakura and Sailor Moon, especially I have like sketchbooks and sketchbooks <laughs> with like, and Pokemon as yeah. well. And like the same characters over and over <laughs> again as well. Mm-hmm. And then you like, from there, you kind of branch out, like you try and draw the characters, um, not exactly copying an exact picture, but then trying to draw them from your own imagination. And then from there, the step further is like, Um, drawing your own characters and I think what happens is that the characters that you draw for yourself end up being a culmination of everything that you love like I know my art style right now has like aspects of Disney in it aspects of anime aspects of like Ghibli it's kind of everything that has influenced me and I think as artists that's what happens to a lot of us is that our art style ends up being a culmination of everything that we love so it's kind of our identity in a way i think like you know there's there's kind of a challenge there in trying to make a diverse range of characters that still feel cohesive when they're all still meant to be from different genres did it take like i guess a long refinement process to get them all bundled together or did having a character like pip who is the central voice of them all make it easy to like squeeze and wring the identity out of them I think that was the biggest creative challenge is, yeah, celebrating all these different genres because they're all so different from each other. And the way the characters behave and interact is so different in like their own, like the tropes of that show. And so I think that was the biggest challenge is bringing them together in a cohesive way that feels really natural in how they interact in the dialogue. But I think that's what's so great about murder mysteries as well is they're very ensemble driven it's a very ensemble driven genre and um, it's very character driven. And so I think that the genre itself really lends itself to exploring character personalities and um, like character interactions. And then, as you said, Pip is, was like a great element in bringing them all together so that it is a natural setting for them all to be together in a really cohesive environment. Yeah. And in, in that, Oh, sorry. In terms of like the art style as well, like, yeah, like Anoki said, I think that's another reason why we chose the murder mystery genre, because it's so dependent on like character relationships and um, character dynamics, especially that it was just a really good setting to to throw these vastly different um, like character tropes into. And then there was just in terms of the art specifically, there was a lot of different things to keep in mind, like for the animation, we tried to animate each character staying true to the original um like the original inspiration. So like when the Western animation character always has very like, uses a lot of squatch and stretch in her um, animation, which is like makes the animation really bouncy. And then um, Sosuke, who's the anime inspired character has more like limited animation and is more like, um, like action based and stuff like that. And then also in terms of like, even even as far as like um, inking it in terms of the line weights, uh, the different genres have different line weights in them. So we were trying yeah. to like like merge everything together. So you could still get the uniqueness of every single genre without it looking like everything's just inked with a different line weight. 
Yeah, I mean, like, there's there's obviously properties like Who Framed Roger Rabbit and like Into the Spider Verse that have really established that that kind of cross genre animation style can really work for people. I mean, you mentioned in there, I I, I don't know the industry jargon completely, but like you mentioned, stretching a character in there is how like for some Western characters they'll like physically make the character longer when they're going faster rather than just making them move further on the screen. Am I right about that? Is that how that works? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. So. It's all about like um, Western animation, especially. Um, so squash and stretch is like, uh, yeah, like you said, when you're like stretch, when you're moving a character along, you 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 stretch out their body at, or shrink it down to really get that sense of um, it's like bounciness to it almost. Yeah. I, whereas yeah. you don't see a lot of that in anime, like exaggerated movement, exaggerated movement. Whereas um, anime is very snappy and um, yeah, like yeah. They tend to play a lot more with like the camera, I guess, rather than the characters to create that sense of motion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And very action driven. Yeah, very action driven. And um, especially shown in anime, which is what we're specifically like parodying. Yeah. And then, like, especially with Disney again, um, like, because uh, one of our characters is like parodying like a Disney princess type of trope. And, you know, their, their animation is very like fluid movement. Um, everything's usually animated on like twos rather than threes and fours, which is another like how many frames you have per second. Um, obviously, we couldn't go as far as like traditional Disney, but we definitely tried to get that like um, that like film, like that feature film to the animation feel into it to get to get like more fluid movement into the like princess character. Yeah, you, you've spoken a lot about, you know, there's all these different animation styles and all these voice actors and all this music being produced. Um, obviously, you've, you've had to work remotely with with a lot of your team. Um, did you take that as an opportunity to kind of keep the the murder mysteries hidden, you know, the, the plots and the back and forth uh, kind of hidden uh, from from some of them too? Or, or was it important that everyone was on the same page uh, for, your, for your workflow across the creative team? That's a that's kind of interesting because I our like our crew on the project have had like so many um, theories about who the murderer is. Ah, and yes, it's fantastic. We haven't uh, revealed it to too many people. Voice actors, the voice actors, all know. the voice, the voice actors, actors know who the murderer is. Apart from that, we've um, everyone's had a lot of fun guessing who they like think it is and all the different theories, which I think is one of the best parts of a meta mystery is like kind of going along with the characters and getting to guess and explore yourself and solve it as you go along. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, the murder mystery that I'm off the top of my head most familiar with in, in animation is the famous Who Shot Mr. Burns of, I believe, <laughs> season six and season seven of The Simpsons. <laughs> Flex is not happy with me for this one. But yeah, what no. they did for, for The Simpsons between the two seasons was they actually had their animation studio, uh, you know, animate, voice, direct, several completely different endings to the murder mystery on that show because they had a, a sort of a cash prize thing going on uh, outside the show where anyone who had seen the first part of the mystery could call in and try and guess, you know, who, who was the murderer. Um which I which I find that very interesting. Have you got like a I guess a, a a pot or something that people have been putting money into trying to guess who the killer is? Anything? Any bets going on in the First office? Dibs. Yeah, I'm well, curious. That's a great idea. I think we need to. We should probably start. We don't actually have a prize. It's just an empty void of guessing at this point. I guess pride of whoever guesses it right. Look, just just take this from me and many mystery authors who have made this mistake in the past. Only offer one prize because if you offer an, a, an endless pot of money for everyone who guesses right, you will be poor very quickly. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> That's true. 
No, but that's a great idea. My favorite part is seeing the different guesses and theories that yeah. that come yeah. out. That's my favorite part. Yeah. yeah, especially the reasonings as to why. Because uh, mm-hmm. um, when a lot of people say, "Oh, this is why I think this person did it," I'm like, "Yeah, they." That's a very good point. They that easily could have happened. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I, I think that uh, the musical, the murder mystery musical, you know, it's such a natural uh, component for the mystery uh, because they both have such a hyper-real perspective on life. Um, what, what did exploiting that link help you do for, for Pip and their journey? Well, it's um, another really unique thing that we wanted to bring through the musical aspect of it is because we're exploring such different genres in this, um, we really wanted to highlight that through the music. Like, I mean... Um, like where can you hear an anime character singing in Japanese with like a Disney style princess character? Yes. Well, I was curious. Have you used several different genres of music in the in the in the story? Is that how it works, or is it all that sort of Broadwayish? Uh, like because that's what we saw in the trailer. Right? We saw one one genre of music. Is are they all different genres kind of tied up together, or is it kind of all follow the same theme? The the different songs. It's uh they're they're all like different styles to suit the tone of the that specific part of the episode. Um, but they're all very like Broadway in nature. In um and we really wanted to take advantage of like the Broadway like ensemble cast kind of feel since we do have such different voices and different um types of characters. And um yeah, we thought that would be a really good uh avenue to explore that and really exploit all these voices. And even more and bring them together in such a unique setting. Yeah. So I guess throughout this series, you do get like different styles, but they all do have that Broadway feel and nature to them. Yeah. I mean, the Broadway feel has also like expanded so much in the past couple of decades because people have been genre mashing it with like, you know, huge hit musicals. So it's like a super open playbook to play with at the moment too. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said earlier, like uh, the murder mystery genre is like really exploding right now. And you see so many different, like different styles of that within that genre coming out. And the same is for musicals as well. Like, yeah, the diversity within musicals and the styles of music is uh, expanding all the time, which is amazing as well. And we're fans of both genres a lot. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I guess the last thing that I wanted to touch on is when you were talking with our friend Ruby over at Kotaku Australia, which we'll link up on the podcast if anyone listening is curious, you spoke about how Chuck Chuck Studios was partially born out of the disappointment of like Disney closing their 2D animation studios and your journey to animation on your own. I guess, how much do you two see of yourselves in Pip? And was it kind of hard to like, separate that and make her her own character how much of that voice is yours do you think um I think I think it's that's a good question actually I think it's very much um I think I see a lot of myself in Pip but also just like it's a culmination of like so many artists experience around that age and there's also like specific quirks from me that I've like that are brought in and that but that's also kind of um, true for all artists like very early on in the episode you we learned that like Pip can't really draw she has trouble drawing hands it's not really a spoiler it happens in the first <laughs> good <period>. she <So> <laughs> in her pockets I think, <laughs> I, think, I think it'd be more of a spoiler <laughs> to find out the opposite because every artist just went oh yeah screw hands <laughs> yeah exactly yeah all artists hate. so like and so what I meant was like I always have, well, I had trouble drawing hands. That was like the thing I had the most trouble with. But I think it's mm-hmm. what most artists had trouble with. We really wanted people to almost like project themselves onto Pip. Like she's a vehicle for people to kind of connect to this world that we're trying to create. 
So I think, yeah, that's a lot of our voices in PIP. And we hope that other people find that in PIP as well and are able to kind of, yeah, just project themselves onto her. I love that. It's it's art made for artists specifically. I love it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that is incredibly fantastic. I love that final pitch you made there, Herds. Art for thank artists. You. I'm all about it. Uh, my goodness. Thank you so much to you two, Narali and Anoki, for coming on Death of the Reader. We are so excited for the art of murder, and we'll have links up on the podcast if people want to find out more about the project. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you so much for having us on and for um, your interest in the project and like all your kind words about it. It really means so much to us. Yeah. We, yeah. Thank you so much for having us on. It was so lovely like to talk to both of you and share more about the project. So thank you so much. I guess the last thing I have to ask right before we leave is do we have Uh-oh. a release date yet for the first episode or is that still up in the air? Uh, we have, we're aiming for the sometime around mid year, um, but we haven't, announced an exact release date just yet everyone checks up on our social media and stuff we will be announcing one we'll keep you posted here on our podcast as well because we are definitely super excited if you want to stick around this is death of the reader your murder mystery world tour here on 2ser 107.3